0: Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I promise you that you are not having any issues with your radio signal. Is that what we call it these days, radio signals? I'm not sure, because Don is not here today. It's kind of weird not having him here, but he is not here. So it's just me, Will Johnson. So I am the one film critic, the one cool dad, and the one struggling teacher with you today i'm i'm damn glad to have you uh ladies and gentlemen this is all for tantrum's sake where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate in the end we encourage you all to love what you love but for now the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on this week we're talking about the new release studio 666 i don't know if it's foo fighters apostrophe s possessive studio 666 or just studio 666 but it does start the foo fighters I'm not going to say this is recommended by anyone because it's a press screening, um, but I am joined by a special guest host today, a uh, local man about town, excellent guy. Uh, I have Jeff Mitchell. Hey, Jeff.
1: Hey. hey, thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the intro. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be on the podcast and uh, yeah, really looking forward to talking about uh, Studio Six.
0: 6. Six. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I kind of feel bad for you a little bit because um, the other day I had posted on Facebook that I was watching the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said the, because that's not in there. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And you said something along the lines of, I will watch it as long as there's no violence. And I'm not sure (laughs) if you meant that as a joke, but then I thought about you watching this film – uh which is very gory and I thought, oh poor Jeff, but um <laughs> that's what that's what I was thinking while you were watching this. I was worried about you.
1: Frankly. Right, right. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I I was making I was making a joke there. But uh but for Text Chainsaw Massacre, was it violent though?
0: Uh I mean are you have you seen it or not seen it? I have not seen it yet. I have not. No. Ah, well, as I commented on your Facebook post, they take the Texas Chainsaw Massacre lot, uh, title very literally in this one. <laughs> there is quite a lot of chainsaws, quite a lot of massacres. So, right, um, right. so that's what we got going there. But uh, so let me, just in case anybody is new to this format, this is how our format works. The Recommending Lover, which I guess is going to be me because I... There was enough Slayer references in this movie for me to be like, okay, cool. I like it. Uh, So, uh, you know, I will go second because I want to allow my guests to go first. Uh, They get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise. Or I'm sorry, since he's going to be, since Jeff is going to be, see, you can tell I never do the intro. This is all Don's thing. So the recommended hater, even though it's kind of a hater, is, is Jeff. He's going to get five uninterrupted minutes to present his points about why he thinks this movie should not be recommended viewing. And then I will go as the recommending kind of lover. I'll get five uninterrupted minutes to shower my praise and state my high-minded case. Um, After that, uh, we'll have a break for a commercial. And then we are open for 15 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. So I'm going to go set your timer here. Uh, I'm sure you have your own timer as well, Jeff. But let's talk about Studio 666.
1: All right. So, will um the Foo Fighters, I think they might be the biggest rock band on the planet. I, I was trying to think leading up to the podcast like which rock bands could sell out a stadium. And I was thinking Foo Fighters, Metallica, U2, Paul McCartney, Rolling Stones. Uh I, I don't know from like a rock band perspective if there's any other rock bands that kind of fit into that uh category, but boy Foo Fighters are just humongous. And what I really love about Dave Grohl and the fellas is they do not shy away from, uh, from a challenge. I mean, they, they played in Wembley stadium with Led Zeppelin. And I don't know about you, but I would be shaking in my boots (laughs) if I had to be playing uh, with Led Zeppelin in Wembley stadium, but that's not, you know, I'm not a rock star. So, so, you know, uh, uh it's, it's, uh, they, these guys really don't shy away from anything. And they, uh, uh, they've been in the public eye for years, you know, uh, the Foo Fighters have been around since 1994. So they've, they've been around for over 25 years. So, uh, I really enjoyed kind of tackling this film to say, all right, uh, Let's see them take on a horror film. So uh, here's my feeling on it. And it's really, there's a duality here. So I'm going to quote two songs from uh, the Foo Fighters. So forever long, if everything could ever feel this real forever, if anything could ever be this good again, I felt that in parts in this movie. But I'm going to turn to all my life and say, then I'm done, I'm done, I'm on to the next one. <laughs> done, done, I'm on to the next one. Uh, this movie really didn't work for me, but, and I can't recommend it, but I think fans, if you're a fan of the Foo Fighters, if you're a casual fan of the Foo Fighters, if you're a diehard fan for the of the Foo Fighters, this is a movie that you'd want to keep in your pocket. Um, it's, uh, it's like going to a, a Foo Fighters concert and grabbing a T-shirt, Grabbing a jacket, grabbing a hat, grabbing a CD, grab this DVD as a memento. This should be something that you put on uh, Sunday while you're cleaning the house or uh, running around uh, doing laundry, things like that. And just having it on the background or sitting on a on a Saturday night and just kind of enjoying one of your favorite bands in a movie. I'm going to talk about the positives here, okay? What I um, what I really enjoyed is that the guys played themselves; they were themselves, and they were um, in an arena where we don't normally see them. We sit in, we see them uh, uh, eat dinner, talk, talk about how they're going to uh, uh, um, start their record, uh, talk about work, uh, sleeping arrangements, things like that. So I really, <laughs> I really appreciated that. Here's the other thing too with the Foo Fighters. Uh, when you think of the Foo Fighters, at least I think, I think of Dave Grohl, Pat Smear, and uh, Taylor Hawkins. I don't really think of Nate, Chris, and Rami, the other three guys. So it was great to kind of get to know them in this environment, too. Um, uh, also, there were a lot of uh, small, amusing moments. Like um, Dave Grohl had an uh, apron and he was grilling and he had. Uh, uh, a saying from the TV show Alice on his oh. apron, and I thought I thought that was uh, I thought that was really good, and I enjoyed some of the cameos uh, as well. That, but uh, here here are the here are the negatives, right? Oh, let, let me back up. This is this movie's also supposed to be campy. It's not supposed to win any Oscar awards, so we get that. It's a satire. And uh, and so I, I appreciated that. Oh, I'll say one other thing uh, uh, that was really I really enjoyed. I enjoyed some of the kills, some of the death scenes. They were really creative. I don't know if we want to get into spoilers, but boy, there were a couple that I really enjoyed. Please do, please do. Okay, so uh, there was a scene where uh, Rami and uh, 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 a guest star or a cameo who I won't mention, and they were in the bedroom and there was a kill that was similar to the original Friday the 13th with Kevin Bacon. So I thought, I, I, I thought that was rather good. There was also a barbecue uh, kill that uh, I, I really enjoyed as well. But uh, on, on the negative side, um, you know, hey, the guys can't act. All right. <laughs> they, they really can't. And in fact, um, they were on uh, Jimmy Kimmel and they were talking about their acting ability. And Dave said that well, one of the problems was that Taylor didn't want to learn his lines. <laughs> and, oh wow. And, right. And Taylor and Taylor said, uh, yeah, you know, it was like homework and I didn't want to do it. And then uh and then Pat Smear, uh, he uh he said he would learn his lines right before the director said go. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh Dave said they took like 25 takes uh and that sort of thing. So hey, you know, uh the acting wasn't great. I thought, you know, it was really kind of clumsy. Um, uh, we've kind of seen, it, it borrows from different movies like uh, The Evil Dead, Tex Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, so it borrowed for, from different places. And I think that the biggest negative for me is that it was too long. Um, if you look on IMDb, I think it runs like an hour and 45 minutes. I don't think it's quite that long because I think there's credits. Might run like an hour 40. But this movie would work extremely well as a 20 minute short mm. uh as a half hour short maybe a 75 minute short but it uh really felt uh long for me uh towards towards uh towards the end also well uh, uh one other thing there there were some really great cameos in here I wanted more cameos I wanted more cameos I wanted more deaths I wanted more killings uh we got a few killings, but more cameos, more deaths to kind of uh, jazz it up.
0: Nice. I'll, I'll allow the, because you're such a special guest, I'll allow the extra minute that you put in there. Oh, <laughs> um, my, my I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So let me get my clock started here. So I guess, I guess I'm going to have to be, I mean, cause you know, like I said, you're kind of the hater, but not really. Cause I mean, you gave a lot of positive points and uh, I'm going to start my time, but um I don't know if you knew this, but I mean, it's it's hard not to love Dave Grohl because, I mean, he's not only such an impactful musician in my life, you know, for Nirvana and Foo Fighters and things like that, but he also uh, was in a couple of supergroups like Queens of the Stone Age, which is, uh, you know, one of my all-time favorite bands. And then I don't know if you knew this, but uh, one of the supergroups that he formed with Josh Holm from Queens of the Stone Age was called them crooked vultures in which john paul jones of led zeppelin was the bass player and keyboardist for the band so he's actually been in a band with members of led zeppelin so that's pretty cool um yeah i mean foo fighters is such an interesting thing i I was thinking the same thing about you know who can sell out a stadium like and i think all the ones you listed are pretty much it you know um i think this year i don't know where i got the stat from so you know whoever wants credit for it just claim it or whatever but i think this was the first year in the history of the billboard charts that a rock or metal album was not in the top 200 of sales um rock and roll and metal especially my favorite genre of music is a dying breed now it's kind of funny because this movie does play a lot with you know, the Satan in rock and roll kind of thing. And I, and i love that angle uh, because, you know, I've been told my whole life, especially cause I went to a lot of Catholic schools, that all the music I listen to is for devil worshipers, which I always find hilarious because, you know, metal musicians are taking the piss out of everybody. Um, but I do think it's funny that this is a Foo Fighters doing this and not like a fake band because Foo Fighters are, if anything, they are known for, They get heavy from time to time, but they're mostly known as kind of an alternative rock band. I mean, they're not like a heavy metal band at all. That's what Dave Grohl does on the side. You know, he gets heavier with the supergroups like the Queens of the Stone Ages and the Them Crooked Vultures. And then he gets really heavy with his collaborations with metal artists like he did. He has a side project that he only did one album for called Probot, where he was doing songs with like Celtic Frost and Sepultura and um, Voivod and... Uh, motorhead and things like that. So he's got a lot of metal background. So I just thought it was a little weird because when you think of like learn to fly and all my life and "Everlong," like you're not really necessarily thinking of devil worshiping metal bands, but because Dave Grohl is such a talented musician, I mean, they sell it that like Foo Fighters went in to make this record and they're so corrupted by the evil devilish nature of this home that they're in that they actually make a pretty legitimate, like hardcore metal song. And I actually hope they release the instrumentals from that. Cause it's kind of awesome. Um, like I was like, Hey, this is a good jam. It actually kind of reminded me a little bit of Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem. I, I don't think, I think that's his worst film personally. I love Rob Zombie, but in that film, there is this fictional track of evil that gets played quite often. It's very effective and very, and it's very different from Rob Zombie's music. So, uh, I thought that was effective and that's what it reminded me here. Um, yeah, there's some cool like little cameos. I mean, um, Carrie King from Slayer shows up and I, I dig that because I love Slayer who doesn't, I mean, I don't know if you do, but I do. Um, I can listen to Slayer anytime. And um, the one big omission from this movie is where the hell was Jack Black? Uh, because Jack Black is kind of like, you know, they've done videos and movies together, you know, with the Foo Fighters or with Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl of course played the devil in Tenacious D in the pick of destiny and Jack Black was in a bunch of videos of Foo Fighters, including, like, Stacked Actors and The One and Learn to Fly with Tenacious D. And, like, you know, he's been around. So I was kind of waiting for him to show up as some kind of demon of some sort, and it does not happen. Um, It's a tough film to criticize. So that's why I'm kind of, like, the kind of lover, because, like you said, it's not going for any awards love here. It's not going for the Oscar. However, because maybe the people behind this aren't really, like, filmmakers isn't their number one priority i don't know that they know how to tell a tell a tale because you're right it is kind of satire because the food fighters make fun of themselves a lot which i think is great you know a lot of the food fighters are like oh i'm the band member who gets shit on or i'm the band member who you know i'm the band member who sleeps in the kitchen because no one likes me or i'm the band member who's really into chakras like they make fun of themselves which i think is really cool and dave Grohl plays the whole like hey i'm a I'm a rock star. I can do whatever I want. Kind of thing. But they don't, they don't push the satire angle enough. They don't push the horror enough. And I couldn't agree with you more. And this is what I was thinking the entire time, especially as it started getting into like an hour and 40 minutes. I was like, this would have been an awesome short film, man. Five minutes on the, on the nose. So uh, we will break for a short announcement from our non corporate partners and friends. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. All right, Jeff, you mentioned a lot of positives, and uh, I didn't get too much into the negatives because I think... What goes on with this movie, and I, you and I talked about this off mic, is mm-hmm. that the Foo Fighters are just so inherently likable that, you know, and they're such a big group, you know, that, you know, I, I'm i more like, I, the more I think about the film, I, I, I'm not thinking about its flaws, I'm more just thinking like, hey, it was kind of cool to hang out with those guys for you know, an hour and 45 minutes or whatever. I mean, it wasn't... They, I mean, yes, they are terrible actors. We're getting major Kiss and the Phantom of the Park <laughs> action from this, but, uh, <laughs> right. That's but right. you know, it was right. it was kind of cool. I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it on that level. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's a... I, I hate to say this because I'm, I, I've been a, a defender of cinematic art in all its forms, genres, and everything, but it... I guess... I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's like it's like they don't commit to a tone throughout the whole thing because, like, the movie opens with like Jenna Ortega who's been knocking it out of the park. She's been in Scream. She's going to be in uh, Ty West's new film X. You know, she's just been kind of in a lot of stuff lately. You know, it starts with her getting her, her face like hammered off, and you're like, holy crap, that's intense. And then it's talking. Then it's Dave Grohl talking about uh, you know um, uh, Sting in a in a you know a speedo from Dune. It's it's like it's it's you're not sure if it's supposed to be like a hilarious comedy or a super gory like intense horror film or a goofy horror film like it never sticks to a tone what do you think about that no i i
1: i i think that's true um it's it, it, what what well what i appreciated was that when those deaths happen they didn't hold back they, right, uh, right. they 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 were gory so like when uh jenna gets her head bashed in or um, the, there was the, uh, R- Rami in bed with, uh, Whitney Cummings, uh, mm. with a chainsaw. I mean, I mean, they, they don't hold back, but it, it, it does play it. There is a duality with tones there. Um, and I think, I think there is a little bit of a struggle, but, but I don't know. I'm thinking like the whole time that, that Dave is just going to stop and wink at the camera. Almost about two two dozen times during the film. So I was okay
0: with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I was expecting that at times, but then, like you said, there would be this like epic kill that's brutal, and then and then the ending too has is like is like a downer ending. Like it's like you know, I mean, spoilers, but you know, the whole band dies, and it's like okay, now it's time for your solo career, which is kind of ironic because if anyone knows the Foo Fighters the first album was entirely Dave crawl there were right. no band members uh, so he kind of started Foo Fighters as a solo project but um, but yeah no it's it, it just like I, I think sometimes it wants you to take it very seriously and sometimes it wants you to take it not seriously at all and I was kind of bouncing between those moods and I was hoping for a better balance but I think and this is no this is no discredit to uh director bj McDonald, but you know he's he's only got a couple films under his belt he did a slayer concert film and then he mm-hmm. did hatchet three i don't know what in which order those went in but um let's see 2019 okay so he did hatchet three way back in 2013 and then did the slayer film mm-hmm. in 2019 so i mean we're talking in terms of narrative storytelling i mean he's it's been almost a decade since he's put a film together um and i think a lot of the time they're thinking that the kills are going to be insane enough that it'll make up for some of the bloat going on or some of the jokes that don't land because the, I do like how self deprecating they are. And I like that they're not like uh, ABC family of the week about the band members. Like they're always cussing at each other and saying horrible things. And, you know, I I think that was cool, but you know, it, it is, there is a goofy nature to this that makes it almost unreviewable because it's like, how seriously are they taking it you know
1: well no no i i think that's exactly right now c- a couple things on the writing uh i was just thinking about so the the co-writer is jeff bueller and he wrote uh the grudge the recent one and mm-hmm. uh, prodigy i think so uh he does have some horror chops behind mm-hmm. him so i think that's where uh you know the visceral kills come come into the story but you know, from a writing well, and and from a writing perspective, um, the 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 guys are not playing uh, other characters; they're playing themselves. Mm-hmm. So, what is terrific, which is is just so terrific, will, is seeing these rock icons mm-hmm. in just regular everyday environments being fellas, and I and I really appreciated that. But from a writing perspective, this is where I think at least, well, I mean, maybe I could pick some other things, but where where it really falls short, I would have loved that each one of the band members had some little uh, uh, idiosyncrasy about him, something that was just kind of like wild or weird. Uh, So then the kills, when they happen, you can kind of play off that. And I, I I was thinking about, wouldn't it be great if like, Chris uh, was a Barbra Streisand fan, right? And he was, and they showed him like in his bedroom, and he's kind of listening to Barbra Streisand. And then if, and I don't want to, you know, well, maybe we did say like the band gets killed, but like, yeah, if uh, his life is on the line and he's about to be killed or may be killed, maybe have like Barbra Streisand, the way we were playing out in the background (laughs) or something, right? Or like, or like, what if Nate? was a big shoe guy, right? And they show him in his room and he's got like a stack of converse or something like that. And when he gets killed, he gets stabbed in the foot, you know? I <laughs> mean, <And he's, laughs> yeah. so, so something like that. Because we we see the guys as just uh, you know, just everyday Joes. Hey, they put on their pants one leg at a time like everybody else. But I would have liked to seen a little more creativity. Uh, with how how it kind of played out.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one, because who was it? Is it Rami Jaffe, the keyboardist, right. I think? Yeah, he, who I didn't know at all, who I didn't really know at all until this movie, really. Yeah, I didn't know him either, and he, maybe because of that, he kind of gets the most caricature-ish. You know, he's kind of like this chakra yoga, horny... <laughs> Weirdo that sh- you know shares like steals underwear from Dave and wears it you know stuff like that like he kind of gets that and I get a little bit of a character even though he's not a good actor Pat Schmier I kind of get a little bit of like a character from him that he's kind of this kind of off person yeah but you know the other ones Taylor Hawkins Nate Mendel Chris Shiflet they just are kind of themselves and so you have this weird balance where you've got this one guy going for it really goofy and, and Dave Grohl mm-hmm. is a energetic personality to begin with. So he, he definitely commands the screen. I mean, this is why he's a rock legend because he knows how to command an audience, you know? So he, he does fine as himself because he, he, he kind of knows what tone to hit, but yeah, like three of the band members are kind of just being normal Joe's. And then the other two are kind of playing a role. And then Dave Grohl's doing his thing. And Mm -hmm. you're, you're kind of trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how am I supposed to feel about, you know, um, these characters uh interacting and and being put in peril um so that was kind of where i was coming from it's like like that goes to the commitment issue it it goes hey you know you know if like you said like why don't we just make them all goofy weirdos and then it kind of gives them a little bit more taste you know whereas when like Shiflet dies he just gets pissed at the band and leaves and starts barbecuing and then gets killed. You're kind of like, well, I mean, that's, that's a cool kill, but like, if this is truly like the guitarist of the band or the bass player or whatever, you know, let's, let's add some oomph to this, you know? Right. Right. No, I, no,
1: I, I think, I think that's well said. And you know, you bring up a good point. Um, uh, it was really kind of the Dave Rami show in this, in this Mm -hmm. movie. It it really, and and Rami, you know, and I knew Rami was in the band. I didn't know his name until I watch this movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that's, yeah, the keyboard player. Right. But, uh, boy, he, he really steal, steals the show. And in the, um, in the Jimmy Kimmel interview, uh, I, I saw they, uh, Jimmy said, who's the best actor out of the bunch? And they all point to Rami. And, and I said, wow, that, that that's exactly right. Because I saw the movie first and then I watched the interview after. And, and he's, he's really great in this. And, and he said that, uh, he was trying to do a little bit of Spicoli, uh, and uh, I can't remember what else he said. But he was trying to kind of do his own thing, and he, and he was he was really funny. Um, but right uh, with Nate and Chris, they're who. By the way, I always think they're the same guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Don't Me they too. look? Like, they, 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 do. they, they, they They look similar, and uh, um, uh, they, they were kind of put in the background. Uh, Pat, Pat is great. I mean, Pat has so much history, right? I mean. He was with the Germs and, uh, he joined, uh, Nirvana, uh, late in the game, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, there, there was an interview, uh, I saw where, uh, they brought on Pat into the band and, uh, and, uh, Dave, uh, and, and it was, uh, Dave and Kurt, I think it was Kurt or maybe it was, uh, the bassist. Who's the bassist, Dave, uh? Uh, Nate, 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 Nate right. Mendel, yeah, right, right, that's right. Oh no, no, uh, from Nirvana back in the day. Oh, yeah. Chris,
0: just Chris Sol, Pisolovic? right, <laughs> right, whatever what right. his name is. It's a long, it's like a Russian name, <laughs> right?
1: That's right. So, so w- when they brought in Pat, uh, the other guy, guys from Nirvana said, "Geez, we brought the, you know, he, he's the best musician out of all of us, right?" They yeah. brought him in. So, I mean, he, he he's a legend. So, I did like how they handled him a little bit. You know, he was kind of sleeping in the kitchen, and he was dealing with food a lot, kind of like Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Brad Pitt in uh, Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, in every scene, Brad Pitt's eating something, right? Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. had a little bit of that. Like Pat was eating, uh, uh, Pat, this Pat was uh, eating Doritos and and, uh, and he was in the kitchen and kind of uh, uh, eating lemon bars and things like that. So <laughs> With so, cocaine
0: on them, by the way.
1: Oh, oh with cocaine <laughs> on them. So, so they did give him a little bit of uh, color, but uh, yeah, you're, you're right. It was kind of like the Dave Romney
0: show, uh, I, I think. Well, You know, I'm looking at the timeline of band members here uh, on Wikipedia, so take that for a grain of salt. But um, Patchmere was part of the band from, it looks like, 96 through 97, and then he came back around 2010. Okay. uh, Nate Mendel and Taylor Hawkins have pretty much been in the band since almost the beginning, and then Chris has been in the band since 2000 uh rami didn't had no involvement with the band until 2018 so you know he's definitely very new to the foo fighters brand you know um it said that he was a session and touring member from 2005 to 2017 so it must, okay. have, been, it must have been one of those situations where they are like hey dude you've been with us for so long let's just upgrade you to a band member um but yeah, Dave Grawl's been there pretty much the whole time. But uh, yeah, so these, you know, there's been various members. But yeah, Patrick Spear, I guess, was there in the beginning and then left for a while. But um, yeah, let's talk about... Okay, so you were talking about the Barbra Streisand thing, and the first thing I thought of was probably <laughs> the budget of the film probably would not allow for a, a Barbra Streisand song. That's probably uh, true, yeah. This, this is pretty cheap. Uh, I, I think most of the money went to the practical effects i would assume and they're pretty good i I think they're pretty good um the the demons in particular are interesting because one of the one of the cinematographers for this film was uh what was his name let me find it real quick uh michael delator and he did brightburn which also also involves um kind of dark figures with red eyes lurking in the background. So I was kind of like, Oh, interesting. He's kind of got a type now, I guess for what he's doing. But um, I thought the demons were cool. I thought that the gore effects were awesome. Um, I I love practical effects. And I think that that comes from that um, the director, BJ McDonald, he did do hatchet three and those hatchet movies are kind of like low budget throwbacks to like the Friday, the 13th movies where, You literally have, you know, um, not Jason Voorhees, but, you know, you have the character basically killing people in in gruesome ways with practical effects. There's there's a little bit of CGI blood here and there, but I I would assume that most of the budget went to the gore and practical effects. I mean, is that what you would would you assume as well?
1: I, 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 I think that's right. I, I think that's right. Uh, um, now how, I don't know how much the budget was. I was looking for that online, but I couldn't find it, but, but, but you're right. It was kind of, well, interestingly enough, uh, in terms of the budget, the house that they filmed it in, uh, the, the Foo Fighters actually filmed their 10th album in that house. Oh, they, really? Yes. They, they, they filmed that album in that house and, uh, um, I, I guess the I guess the story is is that Dave stayed in that house uh, ten years ago, and the guy was going to put it up for sale, and he asked Dave if he wanted it, and Dave said no, but can we can we record there? So so well they recorded their tenth album there, and then they took a little bit of a break. I don't remember if it was like a week or two, and then they filmed the horror movie. In in the same
0: house. Yeah. Oh, it, interesting.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, that living room where they did their recording—that's where they recorded their tenth album too, right in that living room. So in, in, ter- in terms of budget, right? I mean, you know, it's kind of—I uh, I think you're right. I think most of it went to the, the practical effects, which I agree. I, th- I think are, are pretty darn good.
0: I have not. So my Foo Fighters history, I let me see. I listened. To every album, so I've listened. So the one, two, three, four, five, six. The first six albums, I pretty much listened to front to back all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that was starting with Foo Fighters in '95 and ending with Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, Wasting Light, I dipped in and out of, but it was kind of like past my Foo Fighter time. Um, Sonic Highways, I listened to because i liked the hbo show that they did where they would like i remember the first song on sonic highways they recorded with cheap trick in chicago i believe oh wow and that was pretty cool because basically sonic highways have you heard of that hbo show they did no uh, i don't know it oh you gotta check it out i let me see if i have the name of it i can't remember if that's also the name of the uh, yes it's called foo fighters sonic highway so what they did in the show if i remember correctly is they went to different cities that had an impact American cities that had an impact on music, rock and roll music or jazz or blues or whatever specifically. And then they recorded a song with a member of a band from that city. So, um, the first song on Sonic highways is called something from nothing. And that was filmed in at the electrical audio studio in Chicago, Illinois. And it has, um, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. He's the guy oh, who wears, yeah. where wears the uh, the hats, you know? Oh, the, yeah. So every episode had somebody from somewhere. So they went to um, Arlington, Arlington County, Virginia. Uh, they went to Nashville, Austin, Joshua Tree. Uh, they went to New Orleans, Seattle, and New York City, of course. So uh, it's an eight-song album. And, and I, that one I dipped in and out of as well because of um, – you know the show which i really enjoyed cuz that shows you how they record music you know mm-hmm. and that's really cool uh and then i got to say the last two albums including this one that they filmed in that house i have heard not one song off of so concrete and gold and medicine at midnight i know nothing about i'm assuming medicine at midnight is the one because it was released in 2021 is the one that was filmed in that home is what yeah. i am going to assume right right yeah that, that that is the case that's right but i have no idea of anything on that uh, uh that album however um we we I, I don't know what your screener was like but my screener was interesting because I, I i they did they haven't completed the credits yet that's right um so in the beginning there's a lot of credits that aren't f- completed and then at the end there's no credits and including no there's not a cast list and uh, they do play a song that i actually enjoyed uh, called love dies young and that is off of um medicine at midnight so i that was the first time I'd heard anything off of that album in particular. So uh, that's pretty cool. I, You know, this because of the budget being low and because of the fact that I think this was probably a short film or a music video idea that got extended to feature length, mm-hmm. there is an element of this movie that kind of feels like the band was like, wouldn't it be cool if we like filmed a movie, guys? You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, cause, and that's why the movie does not sustain itself for – an hour and 45 minutes, because it, it feels like they were like, wouldn't it be cool if a chainsaw came through the bed and cut everybody in half? And, you know, like, and then there was like a dead raccoon in the basement and like, you know, right? it, it feels like a movie stitched together around ideas as opposed to something being organic. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, so,
1: so I can tie this to my favorite uh, band of all time, Rush who I've seen uh, 22 times. I've seen totally times
0: 22 times. Not 21, 22
1: times? Just no, 22 oh, times. Oh, oh, by the way. No, just oh, 22. But, but by the way, they, they mentioned 2112 in this movie. So oh, Dave, 2112. Think, sorry, my yeah, bad. Sorry, I'm not a
0: Rush guy. Oh, I don't
1: no no know. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. I was just thrilled that he mentioned 2112 because I'm a huge Rush fan. So, uh, so Rush was indoctrinated in the, the Rock and Roll Music Hall of Fame in 2013. Uh, oh. Dave and Taylor from the Foo Fighters mm-hmm. introduced them mm. into the hall. And then when Rush played, they also played with Rush as well. Or, or, or they, they didn't play with Rush, they they did a tribute band sort of thing with the Rush producer of their last couple albums. Uh, and, and it was fantastic. So Foo Fighters are big Rush fans and mm. vice versa. Now, the, the whole thing about the short film, uh, and here I'll, uh, I'll I'll try to – God, I, I can go on for about uh, three hours on this, but I'm going to cut it down. <laughs> cut it down to 90 seconds if I can. So, um, Rush is my favorite band. One of the things that Rush does in their live concerts is they put up these little skits up on the screen in intermissions before uh, the show and then after the show, and they're like three minutes long, and they're dumb, and they're corny, <laughs> and they're and they're uh, and they're silly, but. My rock heroes are acting and they're acting, uh, in a diner. They're acting on a road trip. They're they're Uh, they meet, uh, Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel. Uh, oh. <laughs> right. And then a uh, Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's dad, uh, mm-hmm. is in a couple of the, these little stories and they're cute and they're funny. And if you talk to any Rush fan, they are just in love with, with these five minute little clips Hmm. And, when I, and when I was watching this movie, I I could picture Rush doing something, uh, creating a Studio Six Six Six, you know, and trying to do it for an hour and a half. But 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 I got to tell you, I don't think it would work because what what's great about those little. Rush clips that they put on, and especially in their later shows, like in the uh, the aughts and and, uh, and and afterwards, is they only lasted three four minutes, so they, yeah. they, so it didn't get old. And and here I felt the the shtick got got old, right? I mean, yes. yeah, that, that, that that's kind of where I was with it. Still, I I love these guys. I mean, Dave, Pat, Taylor, and the gang. These guys are legends. So I'm okay watching them. In this, in this sort of surreal sort of skit, but but you're right. I mean, it almost feels like they 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 had this idea and then they just kind of tacked uh, a a bunch of uh, madcap uh, madcap uh, hairs after it and said, "Let's do it. Let's make a whole uh, one hour and forty minute movie."
0: Yeah, and you know it's funny because so you've seen Rush. 22 times, you said? 22 times, yep. I've I've seen Foo Fighters twice. I've seen them twice. I have seen... uh, Well, you know, my Foo Fighters history is really cool, actually, because I don't know if you'll remember this, but um, I do, (laughs) because I have a a video. I have my own private, in a sense, um, Foo Fighters live concert film that I made, because uh, in 2004, they went to Tempe Town Lake to, uh, stump for John Kerry in the election. And what happened was, is the Foo Fighters performed for an hour. Then we watched the debate between Kerry and Bush on the big screen at Tempe Town Lake. And then they performed another hour. Wow! And they did not care if you recorded it. So I brought my camcorder I recorded the entire concert. So I have it on a computer somewhere of like my own individual Foo Fighters concert in Tempe Town Lake. And I was just, I was like, you know, third from the, the stage so like it was right there um and then i one of my favorite concerts of all time was a uh, 2005 i saw foo fighters with weezer and um that was my first time seeing weezer before and weezer is one of my all-time like impactful bands for me i mean it just it just brings me back to sixth grade seventh grade <laughs> and right. uh, i remember as soon as they started playing my name is jonas like because they opened for foo fighters um I just started crying because I was just like, I I couldn't believe I was seeing them live, you know? Yeah. And uh, But Foo Fighters that night were incredible. I mean, I I just remember, and this is what I think actually helps Dave Grohl as an actor in this movie, believe it or not. I'm saying he's an actor, but the thing about Dave Grohl that I'll never forget is the music never stopped. So even if he's talking to the crowd, he's just playing his guitar. And he said, I will never, you guys paid hard money for these tickets. I will never stop this show to talk to you. I will always have music going. And I, what I will never forget about him is he would jump into the crowd, run around the pit, Mm -hmm. you know, go into a stage in the back, hop onto the front, you know, I mean, he, his energy was so incredible. Like just, I mean, nonstop. And he played for like two and a half hours and, you know, and then of course there's that legendary story of him breaking his leg and they just put a chair out there on the stage and he just sat there and kept going. Like his energy is infectious. And I think that like with the Rami's, and the patch and stuff, his energy, even though he's not an actor or anything, he's got enough of a tongue-in-cheek attitude to everything that, you know, he uh, sells it. You know, it makes, the more I think about it, the more I've enjoyed his performance. And I think that's something to say. I think that's the um, true uh, showman in him. You know, his ability to convince you that, you know, he is, Playing a role, you know, I—it's I, I, hard to explain, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's not a—he's not a good actor, but he has a presence that I think translates from the stage to the screen, and that's—that's that's something you can't necessarily buy with a budget, you know.
1: I—I I, um, I would agree with you. Yeah, he has that whatever it is, it right, right. You know, that person has it. He has it. He's a showman. He's a performer. Yeah. No, I—I'm totally with you on that.
0: Yeah. Well, and I—and <laughs> I will say. Because as you know, anyone who's been following me on social media knows that I've been on this huge Jackie Chan kick lately. I've been watching like every Jackie Chan movie that's ever been released. Like I'm starting to dig to the bottom of the barrel at this point with my Jackie Chan stuff. I mean, I'm watching like The Tuxedo and (laughs) and Accidental Spy and Kung Fu Yoga and stuff. But obviously when Jackie was at his best, you know, these fight scenes are incredible, right? So there was something kind of fun after watching all these Jackie Chan movies to see a final battle between Dave Grohl and Jeff Garland in which – all they do is trade kicking each other in the balls for oh. five minutes. <laughs> like, I was kind of refreshed. I was like, oh, no one's doing some insane acrobatic act. They're literally just kicking each other in the nuts for five straight minutes. And I, I kind of enjoyed that. I kind of had a good laugh right. uh, at, at that. Um, so now that we know that you're a Rush fan, so I'm assuming I love you, man. Is the greatest cinematic piece of art you've ever seen. Is oh, that sure. true?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Saw it in the movie theater a couple times. And oh yeah, it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I because I was I'm not like huge into rush, I know the hits, mm-hmm. and but you know, I was watching that scene, and I was like, This is this is this scene from I Love You Man is for Rush fans, right? Like this oh, is yeah. has to be for Rush fans because they spent so much time on Rush, the movie, I was just like, wow. Um, but speaking of that, because we have a movie with Rush in it, obviously, uh, we've had movies with cameos like Wayne's World, one of my favorite comedies, that's Alice Cooper and then Aerosmith's in the sequel and um, stuff like that. Where do you think this would rank? Because, I, I, you know, in terms of like, you know, rock star appearances in film, where would this be like in your mind, do you think?
1: Well, I you know uh, I'm I'm gonna answer that in a roundabout way. I think in a couple. Okay. Years. So yep. um, I think in terms of recent horror comedies, so not with rock stars in it. I think One Cut of the Dead I think is just fabulous, and then uh, The Final Girls is uh, fabulous too. One Cut of the Dead is uh, it's it's uh, a half comedy. Half serious zombie movie that's really creative, and The Final Girls is about um, uh, 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 a girl in present day. She gets sent back into a movie that's kind of like Friday the Thirteenth from 1980. Mm. So I, I was thinking about those two movies as I'm watching this horror comedy, and 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 this one really falls uh, uh, pretty short uh, for me. However, um, you know th- there are some great cameos out there in mm-hmm. uh, uh, so like
0: Blink 182 was an American Pie. I oh, love that. And where they, they actually, um, Travis Barker, the drummer right. of Blink-182 had just joined the band when they filmed that cameo. So it, they actually credited the wrong drummer in the credits. Oh, you're kidding me. I didn't yeah. Know so that. Travis oh, Barker yeah. was in it and they said it was funny because, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to share that little tidbit. Um, hmm. they said it was funny because, um, when they were giving directions on what Blink-182 should do in that movie, like Mark Hoppus and the other guy, the crazy guy who believes in aliens, um, he, they were kind of doing things by the script, but like Travis Barker, like didn't have any lines and he was kind of doing his own weird, thing on the side and they were like let's just keep it in even though he's being a weirdo and i thought that was pretty funny but anyway go ahead continue sorry
1: right no 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 that, that that's great boy they credit him uh, incorrectly that's yes that's
0: funny.
1: um but 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 uh you know i think this is better in spice what is it spice world how dare you, know? you. right so i mean
0: that has I mean, roger yeah. moore in it sir that is excellent
1: right well you know right exactly you know there's um uh, in, 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 in every movie, no matter how good or bad, there's always at least one good moment. Right. So, um, but, um, you know, I, I just, I, I think this is, it's in terms of, uh, uh, rock stars and movies, it's really kind of hard for me to categorize this. Um, but, but what I can tell you is that, I think if you're a fan of the band either and I kind of mentioned this earlier if you're a big time fan or a casual fan I think it's something that you will enjoy but not necessarily treasure right
0: Yeah no absolutely I you know and like I said I, I haven't listened to them seriously like in a number of years um but you know it made me want to go back and listen to Foo Fighters again, like you kind of go back into the um, go back into the, the library and just be like, oh, yeah, cool. Uh, I like that. Well, it, um, it, yeah. yeah, no, it, it, it's funny you mention that,
1: because uh, with this film, I started going back through my internal Rolodex in my brain. So what, one of the so I've seen Foo Fighters twice, including mm-hmm. the Weezer Foo Fighters show.
0: So oh, I saw wow. that
1: I saw that same tour. Nice. I saw I saw that same It was that
0: what they called America West Arena here in Phoenix at the time. Right, uh, that's Which has right. now been cha- the what is it? Footprint now or something? I don't know. Foot, Footprint Center or something like that or Fred, you know,
1: Fred's uh, Fred's Arena, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> but uh but uh one of the biggest uh regrets in my life uh in terms of uh, rock bands is uh the Foo Fighters were playing an electric ballroom in Tempe, which is a little club uh, in Tempe, and they were playing. and I went and I and I heard on the radio or something that they were going to be there, and their new album was out, their first album. and uh, And for whatever reason, I didn't go. I said, eh, you know, eh, I'll see them the next time, and that sort of thing. But they play. and I went back and I looked on on the internet. It was July thirty first, nineteen ninety five, and they played at the Electric. Ballroom in Tempe, and I missed that show. <laughs> oh, bummer! Yes, yeah, I didn't. I didn't go. It turns out it was a Monday, uh, and I'm sure I said, "Oh, I've got to work. I don't want to be out late." Which is kind of the the dumbest. Uh, looking back, one of the dumbest uh, mistakes I ever made. But uh, but course, that but that same summer though, Will, I saw Green Day uh, mm. at the Mesa Amphitheater. Mm -hmm. uh, with one of my best friends and he came up and, and we saw it, we, we watched the show and it was great seeing green day. This is, you know, their first, you know, album and that sort of thing. Uh, but, uh, the bass player, or what's his name? Uh, Mike, Mike Uh, he, uh, he got in a fight with uh, an argument with one of the fans and he, at 25 minutes into the show. And he said, uh, he yells into the microphone, do you want to go to war? And then he threw down his bass guitar, jumped in the, Oh my God! <laughs> right now, I didn't see. You know, there was like dust-ups. I didn't see any fists, but there was like this commotion, and then and then uh, and then they said, "Okay, that's the end of the show." <laughs> so it, it only lasted 25 minutes. But but at least that summer, I saw. I could say I saw Green Day during like their, or maybe it was their second album. But it was. Uh, but yeah, so that. But at least that I I missed. Uh, I missed Foo Fighters in a small venue, but at least I saw Green Day for 25 minutes.
0: But, well, uh, you know, and it's funny cuz I know we're like a movie podcast, but I love talking about music too. So like, I I you know, some of my my first concert ever was Rage Against the Machine, oh wow, with never gang, seen with Gangstar and Anti-Flag. It was at America West Arena, it was my first wow. concert. Wow. Um this was I I was a late bloomer at a concert. So this was 99. This is actually the last time they were ever in Phoenix actually before they broke up. Okay. Um, But two things I remember from that concert, bringing up what you were talking about with the bass player for green day. Um, One is unfortunately what, which was common at the time because this is 1999. If anyone's seen the Woodstock documentary um, there was unfortunately a woman that was being groped and, taken you know advantage of in the pits. Hmm. And I remember Zach De La Rocha, the lead singer of the Machine, stopped the entire show and basically pointed at the guys that were doing that. He's like, I will end you wow. if you keep doing this. I mean, just the the I remember just the power of someone that's singing up there to stop everything that's going on in an arena full of 20,000 people to command your attention and point out like an injustice that's being done was very Uh, memorable to me but also that had a because um maynard james keenan of tool is from around here in phoenix right uh he he showed up uh to do the vocals on know your enemy which he guest appears on uh but uh and he came out and everyone was like hey that's the guy from tool uh but his microphone didn't work so i got to see uh maynard james keenan sing his portion of know your enemy Wow! Uh, but I did not get to hear it, <laughs> so oh. <laughs> uh, I'll always remember that concert experience because I was like, because I'm not a huge Tool guy and I haven't seen Tool, so I, whenever I tell people, I'm like, yeah, I, I saw Major James Keenan sing once. I saw him sing. I did not hear him sing, but I saw him sing. So that's kind of my first concert memory. That was that quite a wow, long time ago. Wow! Rage.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. And now a rage. Are they? back together? Or no, I, or no, am I just dreaming that I,
0: no, I you know, I'm telling you what, uh, if we ever needed Rage Against Machine, it was during the last five or six years. Yeah. Um, there were some, okay. So, and here we go on the music tangent here. I promise we'll get back to movies in a second, <laughs> right, but, uh, but, um, you know, first there was something that should have been amazing, which was kind of, uh, underwhelming. And that was, Hey, I got a great idea. Let's take the musicians from Rage Against the Machine and Chris Cornell from Soundgarden and mash them together and that audio slave, and that should have been amazing. And it's kind of like, yeah, okay. And then Tom Borello did get a group together around, I don't know, 2017, 2018. I'm not exactly sure on. Mm. the the time there, but he put a super group together. And I'm trying to find the information because I, I, it was so bad. I don't even remember, um, the name of the group. I'm pulling it up here. Oh, profits of rage. So there was a band called profits of rage and let's see who was in it. It was rage against the machine, public enemy and Cypress Hill combined. Wow.
1: Wow. And,
0: uh, it was terrible, like really oh. bad. And so, okay. Uh, so, that is about the closest we got to any kind of rage getting back together. I, I know that they did come back for a concert, for a couple of concerts, because I tried to get tickets one day and they sold out within like 30 seconds. Of course. But then so, the pandemic yeah. happened and it didn't matter. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there, there hasn't been a proper like rage reunion of sorts in a long time. I actually still have the shirts. From that concert I went to, uh, wow, I still have wow. I still have all three shirts I bought at the time five dollars a shirt. Um, <laughs> <So> <laughs> amazing.
1: I, I, wow, that you, you, yeah. With uh, with inflation these days, that is not going to happen.
0: No, I mean I've been yeah. to I, I was at, I used to work security at whatever the hell it's called now. I I I just call it America West. Mm-hmm. I used to work security there, and I used to do concerts, and I had a girlfriend at the time and i and beyonce was playing and uh, i actually got to guard one of the lights or whatever so i got to see a free beyonce concert i mean I, whatever i don't care but i saw beyonce for free and afterwards i asked my boss i just said hey can i go get a shirt for my girlfriend a beyonce shirt and he's like yeah sure whatever and i went there and the shirts were literally like the cheapest shirt was like 110 dollars. it was oh, wow. See,
1: right right <laughs> right right yeah stupid
0: beyond stupid but we could go on about music forever so uh why don't you tell before i before i let us go well first do you have any final thoughts on the studio 666 well um i
1: it's this this is a movie for the fans Mm -hmm. um and uh again and i kind of i got to mention this earlier right but this is something for the fans that you'll want to pick up, like a T-shirt, a jacket, a hat, CD. Uh, if it's playing in the theater, or actually when, when it uh, plays in the theater, all go together and just just have a good time. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's something that that's enjoyable. There are some uh, great murder moments, <laughs> uh, some great horror moments, um, and it's amusing. It's great to see the fellas uh, being themselves, but. Um uh, it you know I wish you know with a movie with Jeff Garland and uh uh Whitney Cummings I gosh I wish they said something funny once right I mean yeah. did, they, did they say anything funny I I I've just kind of uh, I I I
0: did, I No was, they were surprisingly well you know I I know a lot about Jeff Garland I don't know a lot about Whitney Cummings I know that she created some shows but I've never heard her stand up comedy act before um However, the discovery for me is I didn't know she was hot. <laughs> like she's actually pretty gorgeous. I was like, "Is that Whitney Cummings, the comedian?" And uh, yeah, she's she sells me on Rami being obsessed with her. So right, yeah, and
1: they and they and they 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 really they really played on that too. So um, uh, so you know this is one of those movies, Will, where I I recommend it for the fans, but I don't recommend it at, at, as a as a good movie. Um, but Dave, Dave Grawl, the man is an innovator. Mm. The, the man, the man, and here's the thing: Well, the man's a drummer. Okay, the uh-huh. man he he's a drummer. How many drummers? Uh, because you know, drummers are they're they're in the background. They're they're keeping the beat. They're keeping the band together. They're keeping the pace of the music together. How many drummers are become uh, the frontmen? Right. And, yeah. And, sure. Right. I mean, he, the, the man has played with. Um, uh, Led Zeppelin formed those super groups, as you mentioned, in addition to that, you know, I I can't, there's a lot of funny MTV videos over the years, Mm -hmm. big me with the foodos, fresh uh, 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 breath mints and and (laughs) learn to fly on the plane are two of the funniest uh, videos uh, ever made. So the man's an innovator and I, I appreciate that, um, that they made something accessible, uh, in, in a, in a new medium. I don't think it's, I I don't, I don't recommend it, but for the fans, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's something that that, that's going to be fun. And I think it's one of those movies will that, uh, uh, the audience will like more than the critics.
0: You think, uh, you think it is a, which is hard to say for, such a big band, but it can be said about the kiss movie that we talked about. I joked about mm-hmm. Kiss in the Phantom of the park, you know, kiss is obviously ubiquitous with rock culture, food fighters as well. Um, do you think that this has the ability to be a cult film? Oh, sure.
1: Oh, and this is something I forgot to mention this is a movie that you could put at a film festival for midnight madness easily, mm. easily, yeah, for sure. Easily. Yeah. You um, uh, at the majestic, Right. They, yeah. they 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 could play this on a Saturday night and and maybe sell the place out. So 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 for sure, this movie will have uh, a place uh, for sure because of who the band is. Um, th- th- I, I think there's. I you're right. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was writing some notes down and, and that was one of them. this. This is a Midnight Madness film, and I haven't mentioned that yet. And a lot of times, Midnight Madness movies are just are just stupid fun and sometimes they're smart fun, right? Sometimes it's smart fun, but sometimes it's a stupid fun. And I think, I think this movie definitely fits in that genre and, you know, can can, you could play it in theaters for years and years afterwards? Well, I mean, what do you think?
0: Well, no, for sure. I think this is something that um, is going, going to come up yeah, I think this is something that's going to come up like in ten years, and people are going to be like, "Hey, remember when Foo Fighters made that horror film?" Right, and you know, because I can't see this being a huge box office success or a big VOD hit or anything. I think it's both too niche and too it's it's kind of too niche and too popular at the same time. I don't know, like. Can I see, because when we say Foo Fighters fans, you got to remember there's such a big band that, I mean, a lot of people listen to Foo Fighters, so oh, yeah, maybe they'll give it a shot. I don't know. I'm not sure this will be a big hit, but I can definitely see somebody, you know, going down the line, especially here in Phoenix when we still had the film bar and Majestic, and someone will be like, hey, remember this little thing they did in 2022 after the pandemic? Uh, you know, like in 2032, we're like, oh, yeah, remember this? You know, I can see it having kind of like a... Cultural cachet of some sort, uh, for sure.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. By the way, I don't think this is a, a, a terrible film. I, I I really don't. But 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 you know what? If uh, you so, I, I was in a band for a hot minute back in the in the mm. late nineties. Uh, we ne- never played a show. We just made one uh, a few songs in a studio. I was a bass player. I'm terrible uh we'll, well well you you know what you know what the, the lead singer said to me he said mitch hey if you're ever in trouble just hit low e okay <laughs> so, so i i i wasn't good right you put me and my bandmates in this movie and no one would see it <laughs> no one would would see this movie but it's it's really the foo fighters are are the attraction and that and that and that and that and and that's what and that's what makes it palatable right and right it's a hard film to review i'm looking at this thing and i'm going my god i have two different audiences here right people who want to who love dave Grohl and people that want to see uh uh something with uh a good script and good direction and good cinematography and, uh, and, uh, something scary and something funny. Right. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a mix for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I was fine watching it on my day off, um, <laughs> you know, at uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, like it wasn't like, I, I think, yeah, like if I was going with a bunch of friends, like you said, I think I would have a great time. If I went and paid for this and saw it by myself, I'd probably be disappointed. I got to see it for free at home in the comfort mm-hmm. of my own home. So in the end, you know, um, I'm going to say it's, it's a wash. Let's just say it's a wash for me. Yeah. I'm going to go with that.
1: Yeah, go no, that. I know. I know. I, I, I appreciate your take on that. No, it's very, no, it's a very, uh, very thoughtful discussion. And, and, and you're right about uh, this movie. Here, here's, and, and you mentioned this, and it's so true. After watching this movie, you just want to put on the Foo Fighters, and in fact, mm-hmm. I I went to YouTube and I and Dave Letterman is one of my all-time favorites, and I played uh, Everlong, where mm-hmm. uh, it was Dave Letterman's last show, and the Foo Fighters uh, uh, played the last song on David Letterman's last show, and I just watched that with just pure, unadulterated joy, and oh, yeah. it was, and it's because of this movie, right? So you know. Yeah, that's a good
0: point. Yeah, so that I think that encapsulates, I I can't even think of the word, encapsulates the experience. Like, I think in the end, you're going to leave and get something out of it (laughs) in some way, (laughs) shape or form. So now, um, Jeff, why don't you tell us where we can read you, see you? Touch you, feel you, kiss me, throw me. <laughs> like, where can we? Where can we? Uh, where can we do all that stuff. Well,
1: I pre- I'm single, so I appreciate that. You
0: know? <laughs> no, <laughs> no problem. I, um, you know, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh,
1: so, yeah. So, so yes. So, so I write. For, so my main outlet is the Phoenix Film Festival. So you can find uh, my reviews uh, out there on the phoenixfilmfestival.com Film website. All, we're also out there on uh, Facebook. We write reviews. Uh, there's three critics. Uh, I'm one of them. We write reviews uh, every week except when the festival's going on because we're tied up with that. Um, and I'm also, uh, my own website is Art House Film Wire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and the logo I designed myself, I went to some uh, place online, designed my, my logo, and it's, it's Art House Film Wire. So there's, an, there's a house and a pallet and then some little film reels and then a little radio tower. So, uh, so I put that together and, um, I've been writing reviews, uh, since 2008 took a little bit of a break for a couple of years. And after, uh, um, a couple tries, I, I got on, uh, to, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm, uh, you oh, nice. can find, find, find me out there too, but, uh, the written word is, um, is, uh, my thing. And, uh, I love movies, and um, yeah, it's great. I, I really appreciate uh, the invite. Well, this is uh, terrific, and I appreciate what you do for sure.
0: Oh, thanks. I, I, compared to you, I do nothing. Um, but uh, but that, uh, you're
1: that you're is not, that is not true, man. You are, you are all you've watched. How many movies did you watch last year? Was it like three hundred or something like three
0: three fifteen? Yeah.
1: See, see, and, and the, <laughs> see, see. Th- th- this what this is what makes you a movie scientist too, because, right. (laughs) Because you know, how many movies that you saw, you're, you're keeping track. That's true.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Now, any, any Phoenix area people, or if you're coming down here, if you get a chance to meet Jeff, uh, first of all, watch a movie with him. It's great. We, we recently saw Uncharted together, which (laughs) we had our last episode was on Uncharted. And uh, yeah, that laugh you just heard was kind of uh, what I heard throughout the screening because it was kind of ridiculous (laughs) <laughs> um, he's, he's a joy to watch movies with. He's a joy to talk about movies with. But he also knows music, obviously, but he also knows his sports, too. So uh, if you guys ever want to talk sports with uh, with him, uh, he'll definitely give you a run for his money on his knowledge because um, he knows his stuff. So he, he's just a renaissance man of entertainment, great writer. So please check him out. Uh, I, I command it. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, speaking of following, uh, follow us, Cinephile Hissy Fit, on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. You can also find us, find me and Don on Letterboxd on our own accounts. Uh, thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL Media Podcast brought to you by Ruminations Radio Network.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes and the brand new Banana Meter. If you enjoyed this show, Ruminations Radio Network has more where that came from with many wonderful programs and awesome hosts. Our show and others from the Ruminations Radio Network are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.